Hello, beautiful people. Hello, everyone. Ciao, Ricinha. <laughs> uh, ciao. Uh, bonjour, Rafa. <laughs> I asked you this week what's uh, the best way I can pronounce your name, and I love that you chose Portuguese. It's one of my favorite uh, languages. And I'm not so nice. I didn't even ask you how you want me to dress you. <laughs> I, we mentioned it last week. Uh, I think it's okay for everyone to just call me Raf or Raf. But yeah, I didn't really want to wanted to call you Ospi, like I promised last time. <laughs> Ospi, no. Actually, it's cute because there's this E-P, you know, sound. Uh, it sounds nice, but I rather prefer Rita or Hichinha or Rita or something closer to my name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we'll stick with that. <laughs> so how, you, how are you doing? How was your week? Great. Just as like autumn is really getting like cold here in France, in Paris. And I just came from holidays, like late holidays. And I had no transition between summer and this. And I'm like, what is happening, people? <laughs> yeah, something similar happened in, um, in Italy where one week it was summer and the next week it was winter. And uh, the crazy part, for example, today, it's that we have both seasons in the same morning. So earlier in the morning, it was like summer. And then mm. all of a sudden, it's very cold, gray and uh, raining. Yeah, I, I actually even read something on Facebook on a French page where somebody said, oh, it's officially the season where you're wearing a T-shirt in the morning and you're regretting it in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. But you were pretty busy this week, right? Oh, yeah. Very busy. Uh, so many things happening uh, with us already, <laughs> with the lunch and... Uh, Should we talk about it more? Yeah, well, the thing is that the whole network of the uh, Easy Languages family was very busy. Of course, there was the launch of our podcast. Congratulations again, Yoo-hoo! Rita. <laughs> But there's also a lot more things happening in the Easy Languages world. For example, right now, as we speak in Germany, somewhere in Berlin, there is the Easy German Summer School. So yeah, it's happening right now, people. So there's 50 people from all around the world meeting uh, in Berlin, studying in the morning and, you know, doing activities with Manuel, Kari and Janusz for the rest of the day. That sounds amazing. That sounds super fun. Definitely being in Berlin, which is a really cool city already in Europe and with so many things to visit and see, um, being able to practice and improve your German and being with the funniest and coolest people in Berlin. That's really nice. <laughs> And these schools are such a great idea that the Easy Spanish team decided to propose the same, uh, you know, structure. They have launched their own Easy Spanish Winter School. It's going to happen in 2023 from the 9th of January until the 21st. And it's going to be in Valle de Bravo, Mexico, which is where Paulina uh, currently lives. Yes, Paulina being part of the Easy Spanish team. You can hear her on the podcast of Easy Spanish. And we are super excited about this because it's going to be the first uh, winter school. They're going to hell. Uh, and they already spoke about all the activities uh, they are preparing for the students. You have to go. And we're going to be putting the link on the show notes of this episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll put the links in, in the show notes for everyone who is uh, interested. What I wanted to say about these uh, schools, you know, Germany against Mexico, is that the Easy German Summer School is probably going to be a lot colder 
than the easy Spanish winter school. I checked the, <laughs> the temperatures and uh, it's going to be basically summer in Mexico in, uh, in January 2023, uh, while in Germany it's pretty cold right now. I mean, it's autumn already yeah, uh, and it tends to be a little bit colder than the south of Europe anyway. Yes, but you know what? The summer, it's not only about the temperatures, it's about the vibe, you know? So you're going to gather with your friends, improve your German, have fun, do really cool activities. So it's like the summer vibe is extended, you know, uh, by this school, I feel like. <laughs> I totally agree with that. They they are all summer schools in a way. And <laughs> talking about, you know, summer and things that we love to do and to celebrate, to party we have quite a few things to celebrate. Like, for example, your team, the Easy French team, has reached quite a milestone recently. You have hit 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. Congratulations, Yay! Rita. It, Thank it, you. It est super nana. Yay, je dis Hélène. We are very happy and humbled. And as we said in our own podcast, we are just amazed by the amount of people that supports us and like what we do. Uh, and every time we make our videos or podcasts and whatever, we are just so happy because we know that this is actually helping people improve their, you know, French learning. So, yeah, we are very grateful. What about you guys? Easy Italian has hit a milestone too. <laughs> 200k. Yoo-hoo! Yeah, Congrats. congratulations, uh, especially to Matteo and Katie. And, you know, I will uh, take your congratulations as of well. Of course. We are uh, super happy about these uh, milestones and we are looking forward to many more because, yeah, we love helping people learn languages. Yes. And that's just great to see the family expanding, <laughs> our universe expanding. Exactly. <laughs> and talking about expansion, we have a new channel. The Easy Portuguese uh, channel just launched recently and I really wanted to watch all their videos because as I mentioned at the beginning, Portuguese, especially Brazilian Portuguese, is one of my favorite languages and accents. Yay! Opa! Congratulations, guys! And they're so lovely and we love their videos and everything they're preparing. It's really cool. So if you really want to either brush up your Portuguese or improve your Portuguese or just start learning Portuguese, this is your chance. Just go and check whatever they have to offer. It's awesome. Parabéns, amigos. Parabéns. <laughs> and to wrap it up, Easy Turkish as a new podcast. So um, if you're learning Turkish, you also now have a great option to listen to their podcast. So congratulations, friends. Yeah, congratulations. Rita, you're not learning Turkish at the moment, right? Not at the moment. I've been having long talks with Emin about that. <laughs> I really would love to do that because it's really awesome also what they do and the language is just interesting. I watch a lot of series in Turkish and I started understanding a few things, but I'm not able to make a sentence, you know, besides saying Çokizel, everything is perfect and wonderful. <laughs> so hopefully one day, but I'm learning something else. So what are you learning, Rita? Um, basically, I'm learning Norwegian. I mean, I've been <laughs> learning it for two plus years now, but on and off. And um, I would love to say how I started that. I actually started learning Swedish first. <laughs> so I started uh, as a beginner. It was kind of cool, but not enough. Um, and at some point, I met a very interesting and lovely Italian girl who told me, you know what, Rita? 
there are actually Norwegian lessons for free in Cité Universitaire, which is a place where students from all over the world live. And at the same time, one of my best friends, Yannicka, hi Yannicka, hi, hi. <laughs> she was like, oh, I'm Norwegian. Why aren't you learning Norwegian? Norwegian is would help you understand Danish and Swedish. So just start that. So, you know, all these things together pushed me and I started learning it. Yeah, that's how it started. And I've heard that you know the teacher. Funny enough. So each year we have a new teacher. And this time, it, so it started last week. Uh, I went there and a lovely guy, young, super professional, teaching us perfectly and everything. We have this really nice chat and everything. But I didn't really ask him anything about him living in France because we, our lessons are quite late. It's like 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then I get back home around 11.30. And when I got back home, it was already midnight. And I was sitting on my computer. I opened Facebook gossip girl and <laughs> i i started like you know browsing and i checked elen's account and at some point i wanted to send her a link and then i have this uh facebook suggesting me a friendship somebody that is in touch or in contact with elen and i was looking at the face and i was like hmm I don't know why this person seems familiar, right? I kind of know the guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? So i clicked uh and then i'm like oh, that's my teacher and i'm like how is elen in contact with my teacher? So it's funny, I asked them later and they just uh, met in Bordeaux where he lived for a few years and we spoke about that yesterday with him and it was really funny. I was like, this is such a small world. The, the easy languages uh, world is so expanded <laughs> in the universe that you basically everyone knows somebody who knows somebody from the easy <laughs> languages team. Definitely. And you mentioned that you started with Swedish instead of Norwegian. So what's the mutual intelligibility between Swedish and Norwegian? And that means that if you already know Swedish or some Swedish, how well can you understand a Norwegian as well? So that, that's actually a good question. When we spoke about the, like the, the, the spoken language, I mean, the written language, for sure, it's kind of a lot of linguists say it's kind of more a um, dialect continuum, you know? And so when you do, when you read the languages, you can understand, they can understand each other without a problem. But when they speak, it's going to depend on the region, who's speaking, the pronunciation, maybe the mannerism also of the person. So generally speaking, Norwegians think they are able to, in general, to understand Danish people and uh, Swedish people. The other way is more difficult, but then it depends also because there are a lot of shows in Norway that make fun of Danish people, you know, like they cannot understand each other. And at the same time, I feel like there is, uh, I saw something on a forum I wanted to share with you guys that I I thought it was interesting. Somebody said, I quote, uh, we have a saying in Norway, Norwegian, Danish and Swedish are all the same language. It's just that the Swedes can't spell it and the Danes can't pronounce it. <laughs> Does it answer your question? <laughs> uh, from a Norwegian point of view, yes. <laughs> I'm sure Swedes and uh, Danish people would disagree with that. But yeah, I, I asked you this question because... Um, as an Italian, I get asked this question a lot, like how similar is Italian to Spanish or how similar is Spanish to Portuguese? And, uh, and, and so I found this beautiful picture uh, on the internet, which I think should be hanging uh, on the wall in my bedroom, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> which is a, a graphical representation of how closely related these languages are, the lexical distance between 
most European languages. We are going to post this picture in the show notes, so you can just have a look at the picture and understand how close um, Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish are, or even Italian, French, and Portuguese. Um, so if I can give my feeling, doesn't mean that it's a scientific answer, I feel like these languages are closer than what would Spanish, French, and Portuguese uh, would be. You know. Yes, totally, totally correct. And even the this picture, this graphical representation reflects that. All right. So it's cool because I see those uh, languages as stepping stones. Mm-hmm. Like one uh, might think that languages are scattered all around the world. And uh, every time you learn a new language, you have to start from scratch. And it's not the case. Like if you go from uh, Italian to Spanish, it's a jump. It's a step. Uh, and then if you want to learn Portuguese as well, you don't have to start from scratch. There's a lot of you know similarities between Spanish and Portuguese. And so it just takes you a smaller extra step to go from Spanish to Portuguese. I totally agree. As uh, Thai people would summarize it, it's same, same, but different. <laughs> Thai people say that? Oh, you don't know that. Uh, it's just very funny when you go to Thailand on holidays, you always have these t-shirts with same, same, but different all over this expression. And that actually brings us to expressions that are actually untranslatable. Rita, to be honest, I think all languages are untranslatable. Languages, you know, should not be translated, but of course, for the purpose of understanding each other and for the purpose of learning, we have to translate most uh, of the times. But there are words in every language that are actually non-translatable, like you cannot translate it uh, in any way. There's not a single word that can express the same meaning. For example, I'll start with Swedish, since we are talking about Swedish and Norwegian. Swedish is famous for having at least two words that are untranslatable and that kind of express the Swedish culture. Mm-hmm. The first one is fika. Mm-hmm. What is fika? Explain to us. Yeah, that basically is a play on words. It's like verlan en français. Mm-hmm. It's the inverted. It's supposed to mean coffee. Mm-hmm. So coffee, coffee, fika. It means basically to have um, uh, a coffee or maybe a tea or even just any other drink with maybe some snacks, maybe a cake or cookies. And to chat around the table, to spend some time chatting while drinking something or maybe even eating something. And that's very common in, in, in Sweden. And can that happen anytime during the day? It's generally mid-morning or mid-afternoon. So it's not, it's not supposed to be for lunch or dinner. And the, the meaning is actually similar to another untranslatable word, this time from Spain, which generally happens at dinner. And it's called sobremesa. Sobremesa means uh, basically eating your dinner, but then staying at the table and, you know, chat the night away. Nice. But can you translate it like literally, sobremesa? Sobremesa means on on the table, (laughs) literally. So you can imagine people, you know, spending time with their elbows on the table, just chatting as much as they can. I mean, personally, as a French person, if I didn't know what it meant uh, and I would hear on the table, it sounds like somebody got so drunk that he got to drag himself to his bed <laughs> and he's just laying on the table. <laughs> me as an Italian, I always think about food. So for me, sobremesa <laughs> would be like, you know, uh, an appetizer thing. <laughs> okay, cool. 
are there any other words that are translatable in Swedish? Yeah, there's another one which could be actually the slogan for the whole country of Sweden, and it's lagom. Lagom. Mm. Lagom. Yeah, perfect pronunciation. Thank you, Rita. <laughs> and it's it it means not too little, not too much, just the right amount. Do you remember how they say it in Swedish, by the way? To kind of describe lagom, you know? They're inte för lite, inte för mycket. Bada lagom. So just right, just the right amount, just the right measure. Cool. What about Norwegian? Is there uh, any Norwegian untranslatable word? So a more than untranslatable word is like a concept that actually is not only related to Norway, but to Scandinavia in general. And it's Jante Loven. Uh, Jante is the name of a person and Loven is um, a law. So the law of Jante. Basically, uh, it's um, you shouldn't have any inappropriate behavior, kind of like not conforming to what the society expects from you. So, for example, being very ambitious. So this comes actually from a, a book. It's not a real thing, but it became a real thing. And there is like there is a set of rules that tells you how you should behave. Like, for example, the first one uh, in the Yantelova is like you're not to think you are anything special. You're not to think you are as good as we are. You're not to think you are smarter than we are. And it goes on. So basically, you have to be like in society where everybody wants to be very equalitarian, let's say. Like the Yantelova is you have to behave humbly, kind of. That's very interesting. What about French? Do you have uh, any untranslatable words from France? I'm sure you have, but what's your favorite one? Honestly, we have many. I never thought before today about what is my favorite one but if there is one that comes to my mind is tu l'amour because I find it so contradictory within that same word you have tu tuer which means to kill and then amour which is ah oh, love you know so it's to kill love. love what what do you think it would be what does it mean oh um when a pair is splits up <laughs> tu l'amour yeah it could happen as a consequence <laughs> but actually tu l'amour is something that turns you off basically so maybe for example you're dating for the first time somebody yeah i went to the restaurant you went back home i don't know what is going to happen and then big fart you know oh that's a tu l'amour that definitely kills kills the, the vibe, vibe. <laughs> So maybe they were going to make love, maybe they were going to have a relation, and then maybe the person was like, mm, this person doesn't know how to behave, you know? But it's, I mean, we are okay with accidents, huh? For us, I just wanted to make things clear. <laughs> If that would happen to me, the first thing I would say is, Mamma mia. <laughs> What is that? Mamma mia is very Italian. <laughs> it is Italian, and it's probably the most uh, common, untranslatable Italian word or phrase. Literally, it means uh, my mom or my mom or mm -hmm. mommy. <laughs> But what it actually means, it's closer to something in English. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Right. And it's because mama in this case is not mom. It's not my mom or your mom. It's actually Mary. Mother Mary. Yeah. There is also people saying Madonna as an exclamation. Mm. Right. Mother Mary. You actually have it in Portuguese when you say Nossa. Nossa Senhora. Voilà, Nossa Senhora. <laughs> That's awesome. There's another one in Italian which I love, and I use this verb uh, intentionally because the phrase is ti voglio bene. Mm -hmm. And that literally translates to I want you well. <laughs> like, I wish you well, something like that. I wish you well. Mm -hmm. Literally, I want you well, but yeah, in English it would translate it as I wish you well. But what it actually means is I love you. Wow, but to whom do you say that? 
yeah, that's the difference because we also have I love you literally, which is ti amo. Mm-hmm. But we would say ti amo just to very close people. Like uh, I tell ti amo uh, to your uh, wife, my, to to my wife, right, or my daughter, or you know, very close family. Maybe my mother or my father, my brother and sister. That's it. All right. I wouldn't tell a friend uh, ti amo, even though I love him or I love her. I, I would say ti voglio bene. So you see, you just explained to me something that I didn't understand properly. I always thought it was more, I didn't know that it was only about intensity. I always thought that ti amo would be to a lover or, for example, to your daughter, but your parents or your family, other family members would be ti voglio bene, you see? But now you're telling me that you can use ti amo to them too. Yeah, let's say with uh, with family, uh, you have the choice. <laughs> okay. For example, for example uh, uh, there's a lot of people uh, in Italy, as you can imagine, telling mamma ti amo. <laughs> Oh, like, yes, Mom, I, love I can you. imagine. <laughs> like the, the, the warmest expression that you can use. Uh, but it would be okay also to say, Ti voglio bene. But you know, it reminds me of the Hab dich lieb, you know, in German uh, and Ich liebe dich, which are also kind of different in the same way, don't you think? Yeah, same, same, but different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tip of the week, Rita. Mm-hmm. What is it? What do we want to tell our listeners? So we want to tell them, beautiful people, if you are uh, aware, uh, as he explained before, of that map he showed, and you can find that on your notes, um, about the relation between languages, let's say you speak Spanish, you speak French, or Italian, or two of them, and you want to learn a third Romance language, you are already in capacity of understanding, but also of saying yourself so many words. How do we call these words? These words are called cognates, mm. which in Italian is cognati, and it means, you know, a close relative, the, like mm-hmm. the wife of your brother or sister, or the husband of your brother and sister. In French, we also say uh, cogna, since it comes from Latin, right? It's because it's a cognate word. <laughs> since it's a cogna, as you said. Um, but we, we usually use the word apparenté. Like, that means pa- apparenté, there is the word parent which are like parents in English. So there is a like a family relation between them. That's the whole topic of this section, right? There are <laughs> cognate words, words that are very similar and help you, but there are also false friends that you should be aware of. The thing is, even if you just speak English, chances are you already know a chunk of the vocabulary for languages like Spanish, French, and Italian because of these words. And you can actually use some transformation m- methods to change words that are cognates from English to Spanish, Italian, or French. Do you have any examples to give us, maybe, and talk about the patterns? Sure. For example, the most common one is that every word in English, or most words that in English end with uh, uh, shon, T-I-O-N, they have the same ending also in French. It's just pronounced differently, and it's pronounced... Sion. And it's the same also for Spanish. It's C-I-O-N, and it's Sion. And even in Portuguese, it becomes Sao. So let's take the English word communication. It's the same exact ending in French, but it's just pronounced differently. And in French, it's... Communication. Voilà. (laughs) And the same thing in Spanish. This time, the ending is uh, 
a C instead of a T, and the pronunciation is slightly different. It's comunicación. Mm -hmm, which becomes in Portuguese, comunicação. You see, with just one transformation drill, let's call it like that, we have learned one uh, word in four different languages. What about Italian? You didn't even tell us. <laughs> All right, I forgot my own language <laughs> in Italian. Uh, it would be zione, so it changes to a z, z sound, and it would be comunicazione. Mm, comunicazione, love it. All right, look, it's easy. Yeah, totally. So maybe we can try with information and let people try to think for, uh, you know, for their own. Information becomes information. Información in Spanish. Información in Portuguese. And informazione in Italian. And if you apply this little trick to all the uh, English words that you know that end with shon, uh, you already know a hundred, uh, a couple hundred words in your target language. I have a question for you. How do you say these two words in Catalan? Uh, it's sio. Mm. So it's similar to Spanish, but they do not have the N at the ending. So comunicación. Mm. Información? Exactly. Awesome. You learned a new language. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> and there are many more of these little dreams, drills like words ending with uh, IC. So fantastic, for example. Mm. It very quickly became uh, fantastico mm. in Spanish, Italian and Portuguese or fantastique mm. in French. Magnifique. <laughs> Maestraordinario. Extraordinaire. Extraordinary. Mm. What about uh, in uh, Spanish? Extraordinario. Mm -hmm. As you see, it's pretty much the same ending. It's, so this is possible. <laughs> and possible, you can take this little ending at the end and change it depending on the language. So you can have, for example, posible in Spanish, posible mm. in Italiano. Mm, I love that. Posible. Posible. In Portuguese, it's a bit different because it's possível. So the B changes a bit to a V sound? Yeah. Possível, impossível. But there are a few false friends, of course, we have to be aware of. Uh, like, for example, the words that ends with airy in English, like anniversary. Actually, in French, we have one word that is like that. It's anniversaire. But it actually means birthday. And we use anniversaire only when it's a big event. For example... If you're a queen, the queen of England, and you had your jubilé, jubilee, right? 75th, it's an anniversary, anniversaire. But if you're talking about your own, when you were born, it's birthday, but in French it's anniversaire. You have to be careful, right? You just can expect every single word to mean exactly the same thing in a totally different country. But the most important to know is that it's fine if you make a mistake because the most important is the communication. And you will be able to uh, pass on your message to the person you're talking to and you're having a conversation with. But as we said, you really have to be careful with a few false friends. So you always should learn your false friends first when uh, <laughs> tackling a new language. For example, the two interesting ones that we picked up are um, excited, which means something in English. But if you translate it to Italian or French, like eccitato or Excité? That means uh, sexually aroused. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not exactly the same thing as excited. Like, uh, I'm hello, I'm very happy to meet you for the first time. I'm super excited. And like, you're like, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassed. 
That's another word, right? Yeah, that's right. Because uh, in Spanish, uh, there's a very similar word, embarazada, which actually means pregnant. <gasps> so you're saying, oh my God, I'm feeling really bad around these whole people, you know, and I'm so emotional and I'm so embarazada. <laughs> yeah, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. So so be careful, you know, and uh beware of false friends. Not all words that you can, you know, transform are your friends. How would you avoid, you know, um falling in that trap of false uh friends? Do you have any method? How did you do that on your own? I would, you know, just uh go ahead with the transformation tricks. And then reading and listening and talking to people will give me the idea when it's a, a good idea or a bad idea to say this or that. So that's what I'm saying. It's very interesting. Like when you start, you are, you, you can start, of course, naturally experimenting, let's say, you know, and then you experience if it's a good or not good uh, cognate, if it's a false friend, and then you can be in a very funny and embarrassing situations, or you can also rather just listen a lot, which I prefer to do, you know, in the beginning and write down in my little notebook, you know, the words that, are, oh my God, these are so basic and kind of straightforward. And then others I would only use if I heard them in context used by my friend, you know? Sometimes you just uh, listen to people saying something and you think in your mind, oh, that doesn't mean what I thought it meant, but I'll start using that in the same way. And if you, if you imitate this, If you take these chunks and use them for yourself in the same way, you will have learned something new and you have avoided, you know, making mistakes maybe. Voila. Voila. Uh, I think we are close to the end of this episode. But before, uh, you know, saying goodbye, uh, we would like to listen to a few voice messages that we got from our friends. Definitely. And we're going to start with uh, one of our followers. We wanted to give it a shout out to him. I'm going to listen with Rafa to his message and then we're going to comment on that. Hi, Rafaela and Rita. Um, this is DJ. Uh, I've been a fan of a lot of the Easy Languages channels for a long time. I really am excited about the new podcast that the two of you are starting. And I totally agree with what you said about chunking and developing uh, fluidity with the language and gaining the general sense instead of getting hung up on individual words. And for me, that's definitely very true. But sometimes, actually, I do find that dividing things up and getting a little bit of the linguistic story can really help me to remember things. Um, I'm just now starting to learn Mandarin Chinese. And it's interesting that in English, when we would say good luck, or sometimes you can do it, um, in Mandarin, they say um, the equivalent of ad oil, um, which is a very evocative image and is very helpful for me to remember the, the literal meaning as I'm trying to remember some of those phrases as well. Thanks very much for all that you're doing, and I look forward to a lot more episodes. Thank you, DJ, for being the number one fan of the Easy Languages podcast. And what he says is actually, it's true. I, I, I totally agree with that. It's mnemonics, uh, uh, tricks that you can use to learn new vocabulary. Yes, especially imagining, as you said, mnemonics, you have so many different techniques, you know, to use your memory and remember things. But this one, especially with people who love to visualize kind of things and, you know, visualizing the oil, you know, added to something that works better. Maybe this is the biologist in DJ that speaks. Uh, I personally don't use that technique in the beginning. 
uh, because I feel like it's more confusing than anything else to me, but I totally understand. And it's actually two different things. Um, you have the one where you are, when we spoke about not translating words one by one, it was mostly when you're kind of in a, not a, totally advanced, but you started already understanding the language and sometimes you just naturally want to understand each and every word. While this one, uh, it could be a good start for you to remember words, sounds, images, and yeah, we love it. And we want to thank you also for becoming the first official patron on Patreon for Asian Languages, CG. <laughs> thank you. Grazie. Merci. Gracias. <laughs> uh, Cici, since he's learning also Mandarin, DJ is the first and best fan of Easy Languages Network and we wanted to really thank you. And um, we're going to listen to another message. We had a little surprise this morning from somebody we know very well. Here it is. Ciao Rafa, salut Rita, comment ça va? Ho ascoltato il vostro primo episodio e mi ha piaciuto molto. E avevo una pregunta per voi, Rafa, qual è il tuo episodio preferisco di preferito di Easy French e Rita, quel è il tuo episodio preferito di Easy Italian o un episodio che vous aimez bien dans chacune des chaînes? Merci les amis, bisous, un abbraccio. Thank you. This is amazing because, you know, I just spotted a pregunta instead of domanda. <laughs> and and it's funny because I know Hélène, Hélène from Easy French. Thank you first for your message. And I know that she learned Italian. She spoke very well Italian and she started a bit of Spanish now and it's already, you know, taken over her Italian. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happens. We, especially at the beginning, it's going to happen. Languages are going to overlap in a way. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, thank you, Hélène. Merci. She congratulated us on the, uh, on this new project, but she also asked us, what's your favorite easy Italian podcast episode and what's my favorite easy French podcast episode? So we'll, uh, we'll start with you, I guess. Well, um, yesterday I was coming back from my Norwegian lesson. And since um, in the bonus for the episode today, we are going to be talking Italian and French. Uh, so people, if you're interested, become Patreon so you can have access to that bonus. Um, I started just listening to the best podcast to learn Italian in the whole universe, which is Easy Italian. <laughs> and I chose to listen to the latest um, episode, which was about Matteo and Katie coming back uh, from England to Italy. So Raffaele was asking Matteo about, you know, things he dismissed maybe and what he wanted to see first at home. And I loved it so much because it was really funny because you spoke about something very French that you thought was only Italian, <laughs> which is the bidet. <laughs> and I was, um, you know, on the this transportation on my own, kind of conversating with you guys and talking and, and answering. And I love that episode. It, it It's the best. I mean, they are all awesome, but I really loved it because I laughed out loud. Uh, people looked at me weirdly in the transportation. <laughs> in the and I was literally answering you while you couldn't hear me, you know? <laughs> voilà. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, the, the bidet part is one of the cultural aspects of uh, Italians when we go abroad. And uh, yeah, we have a special relationship with that sanitary. <laughs> <laughs> so people, if you want to hear more about it, listen to that episode. It's awesome. <laughs> Instead, my favorite Easy French episode was the first one. Oh. And it was the first one, first of all, because I was so happy that uh, I could also listen to your podcast. Uh, I had been waiting for a while. And also because uh, you talk about, you know, the origins of the of the channel. So 
uh, how you all met, how you developed, you know, friendship and uh, how the whole project came to be. So it's, uh, it's uh, great to know about the people behind this, this channel. So I felt like I know you better because I listened to that episode. Definitely. And that's what we also are trying to do here and to showcase, you know, the diversity of languages that we have in our within our network of easy languages, but also, you know, talk about the stories of the people behind it. So that's where you're going to be able to meet those people. And maybe you're watching Easy Czech, you know, channel or Easy Catalan or any other, and you want to know more about these people. And we're going to make this possible here. Yeah. I guess uh, soon we'll start having guests on our show so that you will get to know. Uh, we hope everyone from, from the teams. I'm not sure it's going to be possible, but as many people uh, as we can. But we also want to know more about you. So we thank DJ and Helen uh, for sending their messages. But we want more. Uh, you can actually go to our website, uh, which is uh, easy-languages.org slash podcast, and you can send your voice message or even just a regular message, and we'll be happy to know a little bit more about you. Yes, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. <laughs> we still have some talking to do, but we are going to do that in our extra conversation, and this time it's going to be in... Italian and French. What a wonderful combination. <laughs> Did you bring some wine with you? Of course, it's just uh, 11 a.m., but all good. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Italian wine or French wine? Obviously, French. <laughs> Then we're not friends anymore. <laughs> well, I can send you my address and you feel free to send me some really good Italian wine. <laughs> I might as well do that. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.